Open your Bible to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to read the first five verses. And this is just where we're going to, we're going to camp out for a little while this, this morning because I want you to let some things in that are true. They're already true. Done. Okay? This is what the Word says from the pen of the Apostle Paul. He said this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through His Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Guys, there is so much good news in that passage that it's going to take me just a second to like point it all out to you. It's only five verses. But if you let this in today, it will change the way you see yourself. It will change the way you pray. It will change the way that others see you because you'll see yourself differently. The context of this passage, um, anytime, and I heard this last 20 years, um, for a lot of those years, my good friend Rod Collins was an elder here and he used to play the drums and he's with Jesus now and so he's, he's got other things on his mind. But he used to always say, anytime he, he taught the Bible, he'd say, anytime you see the word therefore in the scripture, you need to ask the question, what's it there for? Okay, and so here, this passage starts with therefore, since we've been justified by faith. Rod also was one of the first people I ever heard say, explain the word justified. And it means just as if you'd never sinned. You've been justified. God sees you like you've never sinned because of faith in Jesus. Okay? He had just talked in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham being justified by faith and not by, not by works. He, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness Past tense, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. You, if you're in Jesus today, if you've had an experience like these people had where you've confessed with your mouth, believed in your heart that Jesus is who He said He was and He did what He said He did and God raised Him from the dead, it says you'll be saved. You have been justified. You are not guilty before God. Past tense, since, therefore, we have been justified. Guys, that is good news. Do you want better news? No? Okay, I'm just going to quit then. Because I'm obviously more excited about my wet sleeve than you are. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You have peace with God today. God is not mad at you. God is... Peace has been established. Peace has been accomplished. Peace has been completed. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what happens in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, where it says, 
while we were yet sinners, we were powerless, worthless. He, he died for the ungodly. He did that for you so that you can have peace with God. See, the word peace in the, uh, in the New Testament, or especially in English, doesn't carry the same weight that it carried in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word for peace was shalom. Beautiful word. It means so much more than the absence of conflict. It means a blessed state of relationship. Shalom. The, the, the Greek word is the, is the word arene. It's the same word that Jesus used in John chapter 14, verse 27, when he said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives it. Peace, not just the absence of conflict, not a subjective feeling, but an objective reality. You have peace with God today. You know what comes before Sunday morning? Come on. Saturday night. Right? Is this, am I the only person that knows this? Like every week before Sunday morning comes Saturday night. You know how many people hate themselves on Saturday night? over and over again, and then they come into church feeling guilty, like, oh, God's mad at me. Because I'm not saying, I'm not condoning illicit behavior or anything like that. I'm just saying the Word of God says if you're found in Christ, you have peace with God. Let it in and let it change your next Saturday rather than just feeling guilty about your last Saturday. See, um, my father died February 25th of 1998. Mom, if you're watching, sorry to bring that up. Um, but it was, it was kind of a big day. It was the same day we found out that we were pregnant with Kayla. So God giveth and, and God taketh away. But that's a different story. But I had a, I had a great father. I really did. My father was awesome. Um, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't the most spiritual kind of a guy, but he was just a really, really good guy. But you know what he did that I couldn't do? He fixed cars. He could fix anything. He was like Andy Coleman before Andy Coleman was Andy Coleman, okay? And my dad would fix cars. I guess by the time that I got big enough to actually for him to teach me, he lost interest in teaching because both my brothers can fix anything, okay? But for whatever reason, every car I ever touched just exploded in my hands, okay? My grandparents gave me a 1967 pale yellow Plymouth Belvedere. It looked like the Batmobile that got lemon juice put all over it. And then like powdered sugar. I mean, it was the, this thing had a steering wheel like a school bus. It was probably the best car I've ever had, though. Because I was embarrassed to drive this car because it looked like something that your grandmother really drove. Because my grandmother really drove it. They gave it to me, okay? Okay. And they drove it till they couldn't drive anymore. So this was a 1967 Plymouth Belvedere. Look it up. Just look it up. I was so happy when my mom bought a new car and she gave me, hand me down, her 1978 Dodge Diplomat, white with a green leather roof. It, not the whole roof, just you know, the back of it, you know, that little section. Had power windows. Oh, it was so great for about a week. And then, see, in 1978, Dodge started putting computers in cars. There shouldn't have been computers in cars in 1978. 
because this computer did not work. Okay, it was possessed of the devil. Because I was in college at the time, going to Lamar University, just trying to make my way in the world, and every day for a couple of months, that car would break down on the way to school. I think I've told this story before. Not only would it break down, smoke would start billowing through the air conditioner vents to fill up the whole cabin, and then it would just go, and it would die. My mom worked for a record service. That was very convenient, by the way. Mom, can you send him out to get me again? And she would do it. Every day, John Wall was the guy's name, God rest his soul, he's no longer with us. But he came and towed that car home, I don't know how many days in a row. Every time I got home, my dad thought it was my fault. Like there is something that I am doing when I turn the key and I put it in drive and I drive this car that's making smoke come through the air conditioner vents and then ultimately die, leaving me stranded on the road. But every day, I would come home and I would feel like he's disappointed in me. It's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll turn the key differently tomorrow. Something will be different. But it wasn't. For, until the car was ultimately fixed, I carried around this, this kind of shame that I was doing some. My dad was not happy with me. Guys, I think ultimately my dad was not happy with that car. Okay? It kind of came out on me because I'm the one who he had to keep going out to try to fix. A lot of you feel that way about God today. You feel like that God is disappointed in you. It's not your fault the car doesn't work. Okay? God knows everything. And I'm saying you have peace with God today. Feel that and let it in. God is not ashamed of you. There's nothing you've ever done that he doesn't know about. Now that might make that should make you like a full body quiver shiver, you know, knowing your whole life is on display before him, but he loves you anyway. Because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. You have peace with God. John Corson tells a story of the last imperial Japanese soldier from World War II that was found living by himself on an island. In the year 1972. When was World War II over? Anybody? Come on. You went to school, right? 44, 45, somewhere. 1972. One dude on an island in the South Pacific, totally isolated, had no idea for almost 30 years the war was over. And he'd been living by himself, expecting the Americans to come take over the island, building up fortifications, fighting with malaria, living like Tom Hanks in Castaway, okay? Picture this. For almost 30 years, the whole time, he had peace. The peace treaty had been signed. He just didn't know it. Guys, I think that some of you feel like the peace treaty hasn't been signed. Jesus signed it with his own blood. Okay? You have peace with God. Let that in. See, the battle still rages on. But the war's over. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I don't feel like I have peace. I mean, look at my relationships right now. Look at, look at the wreckage in my life. No, we are always going to have the battle raging as long as we're breathing in and breathing out. Okay? But that doesn't mean the war is not over. 
The war is over. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. Let that in. Let it change the way you think about how God thinks about you. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Done. Accomplished. But it gets better. That was only verse 1. I read five verses. We're going to be here all day. I'm just kidding. This is one of the shortest sermons I've ever preached so far. <laughs> through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into His grace in this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 2 is like a Geico commercial. Do you see it? Does anybody see it? I switched to Geico and got more. It's like also and. Like on top of having peace with God, being justified before God like you've never sinned, also you've obtained access into the grace in which you stand. Okay. By the looks on your face, I can tell you're not getting it. I'm going I'm to explain it this way. I'm a golf fanatic, okay? In 2016, no, 2017. 2016? I think it was 2016. I got to go to the Masters. Only time in my life. I've wanted to see this place. I got to go there with a police escort. Not because I was under arrest, but because I went with policemen. You know what policemen do? They take, care of, they take care of other policemen. And so we show up at the Masters, and this policeman says, let me show you around. And he takes us behind the curtain, everywhere people don't get to go. Full access. It's like it was the best day. It was, it was just the best. I'm so sorry. But it was, it, was, it was just a really, really good day. God is so much better than that. Think about having full access to grace. We talked about this whole series. This whole series is about evidence of grace. Seeing God's fingerprint. Beautiful things all around you. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Guys, as good as that day was, having full access to grace, and it says grace in which we stand, that means planted in it means it's not like God's playing this keep-away game. Like, oh, here's my grace. Oh, it's over here now. You got to... You're planted in the goodness of this good Father we sing about. You have full access to grace. Done. Completed. Because of Jesus. There's two words in there that make me call this a Geico commercial. The also and and. Don't miss the also's. Also, we have access to this grace and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope. Without hope, have you ever talked to anybody that you just feel like they're hopeless? Miserable conversations, aren't they? Because no matter what you say, if they don't choose to have hope, they're not going to have hope. What do you... What do you what are you hoping in? It's all through the scripture. Just let me read a couple to you. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And we desire each one of you to know the same, to show the same earnestness and to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you might not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience 
Patience, inherit the promises. Colossians 1, 21-23, and you, all of you, none of you are exempt from this, I'm included in this club, and you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He, being Jesus, has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. When's the last time you felt holy, blameless, above reproach? Those are not things I would use to describe myself. You know, it's just like, no, I can, I can feel bad about myself about a lot of things, but the truth is, because of Jesus, He presents me holy, blameless, and above reproach before Him. And then there's an if statement. Don't you hate it when they tag something in there? Like, there's an if. Oh, okay, so there's a catch. Well, this one's not that bad. If, indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Guys, we can't be those people who are just tossed about by every change of the wind direction questioning our faith at every moment and letting it rock us to our core. Just stable steadfastness, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. What's your hope? What are you hoping in? Think about your life right now. What do you hope happens tomorrow? Are you hoping something happens in the stock market? Are you hoping that something happens with your job? Are you hoping that a relationship turns around? Are you, what are you hoping in? Are you hoping in the right things? Think about it. What, what's let you down in the past? What have you hoped in that let you down? Friends? Spouses? Employers? Government leaders, parents, relationships, your own work ethic, fate, possessions, bank accounts, physical appearance, you name it. What, what have you hoped in in the past that without me trying to convince you that your hope was misplaced, you know deep in your soul you hoped in something that was too small. Hope in Jesus. Back in the day, first, first Star Wars, I get confused. Was it, it wasn't the first one. Was it a prequel or not? That helped me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, your only hope. Was that, that was four, right? Four. Okay, so if a movie is that confusing, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, if, if really, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, is, is our only hope. If you're putting your... If that sentence ends with anything except Jesus Christ, you're hoping in the wrong thing. See, the value of your hope is determined by the faithfulness of that which you put hope in. The value of your hope is determined by the faithfulness of that which you put your hope in. See, be very careful what you put your hope in. Don't hope in yourself. As somebody who's has very strong opinions and has a very strong opinion that he's usually right. Don't hope in yourself. 
If my wife was in here, is she in here? That woman needs to get back in church, I tell you. I don't know where she Anyway, I think she's making mashed potatoes for water angels or something like that. I love you, baby, if you're out there. Okay. Too late. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10 and 11. Listen to this. If you're a person that thinks my way is the best way, I'll figure it out. Listen to what Isaiah said. Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Great advice, okay? If you're walking in the dark, trust God. But now, all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go, walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you've set ablaze. This is what you're going to receive from my right hand. You will lie down in torment. Guys, you can't just decide, okay, I don't like God's way. I'm going to pick my own way and expect it to turn out okay. You can walk. You can light that torch, and you might walk around for a while, but guess what? There's torment waiting on the other end. It doesn't have to be that way. Psalm chapter 33, verses 18 through 22 says this, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in His unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive from famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May, we, may Your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in You. See, the, the hope of a believer in Jesus isn't unfounded. It's not like, oh, I hope the Vols aren't as bad as they've been for the last 20 years. It's not, I hope Dad makes it home for supper. I hope this car doesn't run out of gas before I get to Wackles. It's not just a unveiled, no, it's based on something. It's based on the faithfulness of Jesus. You know who wrote the book of Romans? The Apostle Paul. This is not a trick question. Apostle Paul. You know who wrote 1 Corinthians? Apostle Paul. There's a theme here. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 1, he starts talking about faith. And then in verse 2, he starts talking about hope. And then in verse 5, it comes back to love. The love that God's put in our heart. Faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Paul would later say, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why do you think those three things are so essential? And this is why I think they're essential. They build on one another. They, one produces another. And it's, it's like, uh, what is it, Happy Gilmore? It's, it's, it's what is it, Cody? It's secular. It's, it's, it's down and around. Is that it? I don't know, something like that. I don't know. But they all build off each other. I'm usually better at movie quotes than this. Look at this. We rejoice in hope. Okay? That's easy, right? Like if you're, if you're hopeful, it's pretty easy to rejoice, right? But what does he say in verses 3 through 5? He flips it and says, no, it's not circumstantial. Because we also rejoice in our sufferings. Why? When, when things are going awful, why are we supposed to rejoice? 
And it's right there in verse 3. It says, because suffering produces endurance. It just makes me want to go to CrossFit right now. You know? Just suffer just so you can prove you suffer. Isn't that what the deal is over there? I've, saw, I've watched them running up and down that hill, pushing those tires and stuff. Why? Just to prove you can, right? Because suffering produces endurance. There's a spiritual truth here. Sometimes your life, you're going to hurt so bad that the only spiritual thing you can do is refuse to give up. People are going to hurt you so deeply. You're going to have every excuse in the world to just quit. But the most spiritual thing you can do sometimes is just refuse to give up. Because suffering produces endurance, but it doesn't stop there. See, endurance produces character. Endurance produces character. And the way the Bible defines character is like this. It's like proof of what's in there. It's just proof. It's like you don't have to, don't convince me don't, with your words. Let me see it in your life. Endurance gives proof to what's in there. Another word for it's experience. Just experience. You know why older people are wiser than younger people? They've made more mistakes. They've, they've lived through more. And they've seen the faithfulness of God. And yeah, they have scars. I've, I've had like, I don't know, three or four surgeries in the last couple of years. Never had surgery before. I've got, I don't like moving a dresser to prove I love my daughter and broke my arm. I had to, I've got a scar right here. Like I had this big like thing grow on my side and had it cut off and have no idea what that, I got a scar there. I cut my foot open with with a pressure washer one time. Like 20 years ago, I still got a scar there. Every one of them tells a story. I think too often we're, we're, we're ashamed of our scars. But when your scars, when you let them remind you that God's been faithful the whole time and that you've been through worse things and you live through it, it produces experience. It proves that what, what you have is real. I think some of you might be like me. I'm sorry. But I think some of you might be like me in this way, okay? Sometimes I find myself paralyzed by the, how big something is, like, like how big a job it is. And, you know, it could be anything. It could be like balancing the checkbook. It could be like knocking down your whole house and trying to rebuild it. It could be just mow, push mowing a, like two acres. or It could be anything, okay? Here's my example I'm going to use. I, I grew up in Texas. When we moved here 20 years ago, we went back to Texas a lot. It's like 16 hours, sometimes 18 hours from here to Houston, okay? I would dread that drive. I would just dread it. Just like from here to Chattanooga felt like forever. Because I knew after Chattanooga, Birmingham was another couple hours before you get to Whataburger. And then after that, you had to go all the way across Alabama and Mississippi before you get to Louisiana where there's another Whataburger. And it was, it was like, it was, it was overwhelming to me. Every time we would start this trip, we got the minivan loaded, all the kids in the back. They couldn't care less. They ain't going to help. I'm driving this by myself. But then about two hours in, 
I'd realize, oh, that two hours is behind me. Now all i got to do is get to Birmingham. And then once we get past that, it, it just seems a little more doable. It, it, is this making sense to anybody? Sometimes I think your spiritual life is like a drive to Houston. And yeah, it's not fun in the beginning. And you don't think you're going to make it. But if you just don't quit, just don't give up. Whataburger's just up there. That's important to me. I don't care if you don't care about it, okay? That's important. Have, a, have something. See signs of life. Evidence of grace. Just don't give up. Sometimes it's the best, most spiritual thing you can do. And you know why? Because it leads back to hope. That's the end of the cycle. Suffering, endurance, character. Back to hope. Guys, don't give up. I don't know what your suffering is right now, but listen to me. I promise you this. If you will look in the mirror today and you would realize that you are justified by faith already, just like you never sinned, and you have peace with God right now, done deal because of Jesus, and also you have full access to the grace that you're rooted in, that you're standing in, and you can hope in the glory of God or in your sufferings because it all leads back to the same place. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you would use something. Just use something that, was, that, that you communicated to the hearts of your people today to change perspective. We should never get over the fact that we have peace with you, that the war is over. You're not mad at us. You've done everything to reconcile us to you, to make us right before you. And all you call us to to do is just live in response to that. To live in the goodness of God into this full access of grace that you've, you've given us. I pray some people would do that today. I pray it might make a difference. In Jesus' name.